All right, welcome to the Brother Ben X Show. This is your brother Ben X with my brother, Dr. Wesley Muhammad. Uh, I want you guys to tune in and share this out with your friends and family. Before we get into introduction of uh, our dear brother, uh, Dr. Wesley Muhammad, I wanted to share something from the Honorable Minister Louis Farrakhan uh, to kind of s- to lay the basis for all those who say what we about to say is falsehood and we not Muslims and uh, that ain't Islam. Let me go ahead and say it before you even say it out your mouth. Let me go and put this on out there. What is a real Muslim? What is a real Muslim? One who makes a lot? A damn devil could bow down, jackass. Devils can prostrate. Devils can make sajda. That don't mean you're a Muslim because you pray like one. A Muslim is what a Muslim does. Your whole life should be devoted in service to Allah. And don't tell me it's just prayer and fasting during the month of Ramadan and paying a little jive zakat. God damn it, it's going out, getting the people in the mud and freeing a slave and lifting your people. And if you're not doing that, don't talk to me about what a true Muslim is. You're nothing but a damn hypocrite. There it is. Y'all heard it from the minister himself. So, assalamu alaikum, family, and I thank all of you guys uh, for tuning in. We now have our brother, Dr. Wesley Muhammad. So, for those who do not know who you are, uh, brother Dr. Wesley Muhammad, please uh, introduce yourself at this time. Well, assalamu alaikum, my dear brother Ben. Um, I was starting the name of Allah who came in a personal master, Fard Muhammad, to whom all holy praises I forever do. I bear witness that there is no God but he, and I bear witness that the most honorable Elijah Muhammad is his living and exalted Christ. And the honorable brother minister Farrakhan is the divine reminder, apostle and Messiah today. In their names, I greet you and your wonderful guests. As-salamu alaykum. Wa alaykum salam. Um, I am just your brother, um, one who is striving hard to be at the very least, <clears throat> an adequate helper of the honorable brother minister Farrakhan. If I am blessed by Allah, then I, that I should be a good helper of the honorable brother minister Farrakhan, then I would be well pleased with that. Absolutely. And for those who are wondering, y'all know he got several books uh, on this subject that we're about to hit on today, plus the pop plot, which you can see right there, which is an 800 uh, uh, page book. So y'all can see what and that 2, looks like. 2,000 footnotes. 2,000 footnotes. Number. 800 pages, 2,000 footnotes. We're making a statement. Yes, sir. So if y'all want to support the brother and get his books, you see the website at the bottom, www.drwesley.online. www.drwesley.online. Dot online. Now, we know that um, you had an atheist background. Can you tell us a little bit about your upbringing and what led you into first being an atheist? Yes. I, like the average so-called Negro in America, came up in a Christian household. Christianity was the religion that the slave master imposed on the slave and that was my initial context and to be honest with you brother ben and your audience i did not have a problem with 
Christianity. That was not how I ended up here. I ended up here not because I had problems with Christianity, but because I had questions mm. about what I was reading in the Bible. And when, and I was reading sincerely uh, the Bible, and my questions were sincere. But as I asked those whom I trusted, because they were so religious, so Christian, but they not only could not or did not answer my questions, but they were dismissive of me and they pushed me off and they made the mistake of pushing me off to a brother, <coughs> excuse me, whom I would consider the local Dr. Yosef Benyakin, mm. brother Dr. Ray Pipkin, who was an eighth grade teacher but he was the local African history scholar. And even though my questions weren't Africa or, or even history related, they were purely, how am I to make sense of this in the Bible? Mm. In light of common sense, how am I to make sense of this? But they brought, pushed me off to Dr. Ray Pipkin and that was really the most fateful day of my life because he dropped on me um, knowledge. Really, there was a bit much for me to handle at the time um, because what he dropped on me didn't necessitate me becoming a bitter atheist instantly. Mm. I wasn't required by the knowledge that he shared to throw the baby out with the bath water, but when he told me of Christianity and religion in general, being man-made, that broke my heart. When he told me about the popes blessing every slave ship that left the harbor, that angered me. So those two hours in that eighth grade classroom after hours with Ray Pipkin, what he dropped on me was so heavy. It was a very emotional experience for me. I immediately became bitter at all religion. I immediately became disrespectful to religion. And I threw the baby out with the bathwater, meaning as I threw religion, organized religion, or in his words at the time, man-made religion out, I threw God out as well. Mm. So um, I guess our first question would be about Islam. Many people believe, well, Islam started with Prophet Muhammad, uh, but we teach that Islam has no beginning nor ending. Can you, can you give context to what that means? Because some believe that Islam started uh, with the revelation that he received, uh, you know, with the Quran or uh, Prophet Muhammad during that time and that uh, Islam was created by the Vatican as well, as many say. So can you clear that up? Yeah, um, the Vatican madness is BS. Only foolish Negroes are running around teaching that comic book history in our lecture, refuting Walter Williams. We expose the foolishness of the claim that Islam was created by the Vatican 
that originated with the comic book. Mm. That particular claim originated with the comic book. And we've demonstrated that. So we need not waste no time on that foolishness. More commonly accepted, even in the Muslim world, is the equally false, even though a bit more respectable, but no less false claim that Islam began in Arabia with Prophet Muhammad and the revelation of the Quran. But Allah says in the Quran, on this day, I have perfected for you your religion. He did not say on this day, I have innovated for you your religion. He did not say on this day, I have started for you. I have given for you or to you your religion. He said on this day, I have perfected for you. So a system that had been in operation in Arabia for millennia, for thousands of years, we have documented a system, a religious system that has been among black people for thousands of years on that day through the revelation of the Quran to Prophet Muhammad. On that day, the religion was perfected, but the religion had been among us in Black Arabia, as I have documented in my book, Black Arabia and the African Origin of Islam. The system, the signature of Islamic religious practice, the rituals associated with the Hajj in Mecca, that whole system, that whole ritualism, the rituals of Hajj and the rituals of Umrah that are attached to that cubic building in the most holy city of Islam, Mecca, with this black Kisra, this black veil with its gold letterings around it. That architecture, the Kaaba, and the totality of the ritualism associated with it during both Hajj and Umrah, all of that preceded Prophet Muhammad. All of it is anchored and was practiced by the black Arabs of Arabia, and it is anchored in the ancient religion of the black god Allah, which is why the Kiswa or the veil of the sacred architecture is a black veil. It is not arbitrary that it is black. The Kaaba represented the in the ancient religion of black Arabia. The Kaaba represented an architectural representation and an architectural recapitulation of the nature of God, Allah, and the origin and fate, F-A-T-E, fate of the God, Allah, and this ritualism and its symbolic meaning, its theology, its black God theology, was the religion of ancient black Arabia long before Prophet Muhammad and it was called, Brother Ben, Islam even then. Mm. What is meant by 
uh, Islam is mathematics versus Islam is a religion because we're taught that Islam is not a religion. It's a way of life and Islam is mathematics. What is the meaning of it? When I saw <clears throat> the Honorable Brother Minister Farrakhan deliver the 1991 Savior's Day Address from Christ Universal Temple, who is God? I was only recently shook from my atheism through the words of the Honorable Brother Minister Farrakhan, who, though an atheist, I loved him still. His words shook my atheism in October of 1990. And then in February of 1991, Savior's Day, when I saw him deliver, that dissertation, who is God, the most intellectual presentation of a religious doctrine I had ever seen, the most empirically based representation of a religious doctrine I had ever seen. I left that day saying, if I ever do religion again, I'm doing that man's religion. And what is it about that man's religion that so impressed this recovering atheist at the time? Because his Islam was very mathematics. Mm. The difference between Islam as mathematics and religion as dogmatics is Islam, the Islam of the most honorable Elijah Muhammad. It never has to hide itself. It never has to be shielded from any scientific discovery, any empirical evidence for fear that the religious doctrine will be found unfounded. Dogma, religious people, or people whose religion is not mathematics, they have to, in order to maintain their belief that Jesus Christ was born of a literal virgin woman. Mm. In order to maintain their belief that that's a literal representation of the origin of Jesus, they have to stick their head in the sand when it comes to the science of embryology, mm. the science of conception, gestation, and birth. Because our Islam is mathematics. There is not an aspect of the teachings of the most honorable Elijah Muhammad, not a single one, that when empirical, relevant empirical data is presented, we have to stick our heads in the sand. See no facts hear no facts, speak no facts, because it would destroy our religious faith. Islam and Islam is mathematics, means that everything the most honorable Elijah Muhammad taught is absolutely consistent with mathematics, with empirical data, with actual facts. Speaking on the root of Allah now, uh, what was Allah when he created the heavens and the earth. What form 
because I know somebody asked the minister before coming into the person of Master Far Muhammad, knowing that we had Alfonso and another in that line of divine, but somebody asked him, what if it's in the person of, what was Allah before coming in the person of? So at what point, what was Allah when he created the heavens and the earth? <clears throat> Allah was a man when he created the heavens and the earth. And that is an important point. We in the nation of Islam, we do not believe in the Christian theory of incarnation. So when you hear point number 12, Allah appeared in a person or Allah came in a person of master forward Muhammad, don't compare that to the Christian doctrine of incarnation. And we subconsciously do so and that's how we get tripped up. Hmm. The Christian doctrine of incarnation says that God is and always has been a formless spirit, but there was a unique event in history where he became for the first time a human being, a man in Jesus Christ. That God, this forever spirit, at a certain point in history, and for the first time in history, condescended as a man. That is not the theological foundation of point number 12. Peace, family. Thank you for checking out the Brother Ben X podcast. Many people are wondering, what can I do now since digital real estate closed on October the 1st? I still want to learn how to make money on social media. I still want to learn how to market. And I still want to learn how to build my brand. Well, there's one more way that you can do it. It's a couple ways, but I want to tell you all about the ABS tribe. The ABS Tribe is weekly coaching every Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday for only $50 a month. If you are looking for accountability, if you're looking for a group of people that's willing to inspire you, help you out, support you, encourage you, you want to get inside of our ABS Tribe because every Tuesday and Thursday, me and Brother Jake or one of our more top million dollar friends or six-figure friends are on teaching you every single week. If you want to join the ABS Tribe, go to www. What is abstribe.com? www.whatisabstribe.com. Prior to the birth of Master Farad Muhammad, God had always been a man. We say in our prayers, Surely I turn myself to thee, Allah, striving to be upright to him who originated the heavens and the earth. Be clear, the him who originated the heavens and the earth was as much a man as is Master Farad Muhammad. He was the very first man in existence, the one who originated the heavens and the earth. He was not a spook. God did not become a man for the first time in the 19th century with the birth of Master Farad Muhammad 76 trillion years ago, when a mysterious force sparked a particle of matter in the black womb of space, that particle of matter we know as a quark that would evolve into an atom. And that atom evolved into the first neuron or brain cell and a an evolutionary process 
lasting six trillion years occurred a process that resulted in the very first human being in existence that was 76 trillion years ago and that very first human being in existence that is surely i've turned myself to the allah mm. originator of the heavens and the earth that's that first human being so before master fard muhammad god was a man God, the most honorable Elijah Muhammad tells us there has never been a time, mark his words, there has never been a time when God was not a man. God has always been a man and all the real gods, the most honorable Elijah Muhammad said, are men, are human beings. When we say, um, may Allah bless you, being that Allah is Master Far Muhammad. Are we saying, may Master Far Muhammad bless you? Or are we talking about the force and power that dwells within that particular human being? Or are we talking about, may another human being bless you? When we say, may Allah bless you, what are we saying? Well, I don't know what we saying. I can tell you what I'm saying. And that's a very good question. Did we had a very great discussion about doing our Who is God seminar during Savior's Day. It's very important. Disentangling the God that we should serve today. The God that we should serve. There is a God reality beyond the God reality that we should serve today. So, what most people don't know, Brother Ben, in this book, Quran, one oddity, if you will, about this book is sometimes when Allah is speaking or is referenced, the reference is in the plural. Mm-hmm. We sent Lot. We raised the mountains. We did this and we did that. And the we here, I'm sorry, Orthodox Muslims, it's not a rhetorical device, the royal we. Classical Arabic has no royal we. That does not exist in classical Arabic. So to dismiss the we, to dismiss the hour as not an actual substantive plural, but as a rhetorical plural is violates and does violence to the language itself. So when the Quran, when Allah, God speaks in the first person plural in the Quran, that's referencing a real plural a plural in the Godhead. There are other times in this book where Allah is very adamant. Allah is I. There is one God and he will accept no Allah with him. And Allah is more than just a God that one worships. So la ilaha illallah. There is no Allah 
except Allah, that does not just mean there is no God but Allah. But Allah is anything that one, anything that one would have reliance on mm. other than God. Anything that one would invest any faith in at all other than God. This Allah in the Quran that uses the eye, he doesn't want the people to invest any faith, any dependence at all in anything or anyone other than him. That Allah as I is different than the Allah as we. Mm. And to really understand that, we have to understand that this book, like the Bible, is 25% historic and 75% prophetic. Meaning 25% of what's in this book, Quran, really goes back to the 14th century and Prophet Muhammad. And only 25% goes back to the God at the time of Prophet Muhammad. 75% of this book is prophetic. 75% of what's written about Muhammad in this book does not reference Prophet Muhammad of 1400 years ago of Arabia, it references the future Muhammad. And likewise, 75% of what's stated about or in the voice or name of Allah in this book references the future Allah. So the Allah that uses I, the Allah that will tolerate no partners next to him, will tolerate no illa will uh, accept from his believers they're putting reliance on anything or anybody on any we at all other than him that's master forward muhammad so with the birth and coming of master far far muhammad the whole god paradigm has shifted you hear what i said mm -hmm. with the birth and coming of Master Farad Muhammad, the whole God paradigm that has been in existence at least for the last 66 trillion years, that God paradigm shifted with the birth and coming of Master Farad Muhammad because before him, God was always a we. There was a 12 major science scientists and a collective 24 scientists which was the circle of God. That was Allah for 66 trillion years. And everything that was done in the name of Allah was done as a we. Mm. Master Father Muhammad broke that cycle. And so he is the God that says, I. So me, even though I know that within my DNA, Brother Ben, is the spirit of the creator while the creator physically died he did he is a great ancestor the creator physically died like every human being that followed him will physically die but he is ever living why because his spirit was transmitted through his progeny his descendants you and me through our DNA, the spirit of the creator is in our 
DNA. So God is within us. So when Jesus said, neither shall they say low here or low there, the kingdom of God is within you. That is true. However, with the birth and coming of Master Far Muhammad, whereas it was okay for us to rely on accessing our inner power, but it was always that inner power was mitigated in its expression by the human, the mountain of humanity that we, we are. And so we could always only partly and somewhat access and manifest it with Master Far Muhammad, there's full power. And only through submitting totally to him can we ever hope to unlock the fullness of our God power in us. So I and we, the nation of Islam, while the Kemetists and the Yoruba and all of these other spiritual systems, turn want us to turn exclusively inwardly and look at self and that is a good start but we can never access the full power of ourself the god within we could never fully extricate and operate it in order to do so we have to fully rely on the greatest power that has ever lived that's now on the scene master far muhammad so when I pray, I am not seeking to connect with the divine spirit that's within me. I respect it, but when I get in trouble, I rely on a lot in the person, a master, far Muhammad. I do not rely on the God power just dwelling and is somewhat muted in my DNA, though I recognize that it's there. Uh, I see several questions right now. Brother keeps asking. So if the black man is God, uh, why do we pray and to who? You kind of went into it a little bit, but uh, if the black man is God, why do we pray then and to who? Yeah. <clears throat> One, you got to understand that all prayer ain't created equal. <laughs> all prayer isn't the same. There's different types of prayers. There's different purposes for prayer with different outcomes expect it with a prayer i wesley muhammad a servant of the god allah in the personal master fought muhammad i pray the god that i rely on master fought muhammad he prays too but our prayers are very very different mm. we pray different prayers for different purposes with the expectation of different outcomes. Master Far Muhammad, the greatest God who has ever lived. This is true. He prays to the creator, which he knows is physically dead. Why does he pray? He doesn't pray in supplication. He doesn't pray asking the creator to do this or do that. He prays to the creator out of honor to the creator because while Master Far Muhammad is the greatest, most powerful God 
that ever lived. There is one thing that the creator will always have in distinction to master fraud Muhammad and in distinction to every single God that followed after the creator. And that is this, Master Fahd Muhammad was born into the world with a human form that he did not self-originate. The six trillion year painful process that produced this human form that I was born in and he was born in, that miracle is the signature achievement of the creator, not the creation of the sun, the moon of the universe, the signature act that made the creator Lord forever until, but even in a sense, not forever, the signature act was his self-evolution of this human form. And so because Master Fraud Muhammad did not spend six trillion years engineering with no blueprint, this human form, he came through his mother with the form when he prays, he prays giving honor to the God who engineered his form. That's with me. I pray and I'm asking for stuff because I don't have the fullness of my power. I am dependent on the power of Allah in the personal master for Muhammad. So when I pray, I pray to extol Allah. I pray to show gratitude to the Lord of the worlds, but also pray in absolute dependence on the Lord of the world. And the Lord of the worlds, plural, is Master Farad Muhammad. Marquis de Porras says, uh, basically he's, he's saying, is that searching for a mystery God? Because uh, none of us have seen Master Farad Muhammad. Yeah. <clears throat> if your definition of a mystery God is limited to that which you have not personally seen with your eyes, that you don't understand the science of God at all. No. It is not the case that no one has seen Master Fard Muhammad. I've never seen my physical grandfather. I've seen pictures of him. I've seen pictures of Master Farad Muhammad. We're in no dispute about whether he existed or not. The mystery God which the gods searched for for trillions of years, there was a dispute whether it existed or not mm. because ain't no one ever seen the mystery God. No one. That's where that's why the best scientists, the best minds in a but at a moment of intellectual and spiritual lapse had considered that maybe there's a mystery God and we're now looking for that mystery God, but no one came back with any evidence at all that a mystery God existed. My grandfather ain't a mystery. I never saw him with my physical eyes, but enough people have and I I've seen pictures, so I know he exists. 
Master Father Muhammad is in no ways a mystery God. We got all the evidence of his reality. I've seen him. I can pull up a picture, an image of him in my mind's eye, a very detailed image of him. So there is nothing mystery. Well, I'm not going to say nothing. The reality of that God is not a mystery. So no, what you heard from your brother regarding Master Far Muhammad was not faith in a mystery God. Yes, sir. Someone said, as you can see on the screen, is prayer and meditation one and the same? In prayer, for we have to vocalize our thoughts or just meditate on them. Both prayer and meditation are very overused terms. Mm. So there's a scientific method of prayer, and this is to what a lot of people don't know. There's a right way to pray. By right, I mean effective way to pray. There's a scientific method of prayer. And then there's that which just the common ignorant religious folk do. There's a scientific method of meditation. A way to meditate, to mathematically achieve the goal of meditation. And the Honorable Elijah Muhammad left a detailed lesson on how to achieve telepathy, mm. how to properly meditate to achieve a telepathic purpose. But just as I would say, most people who engage in prayer, most religious people not understanding the science behind the operation of prayer. And so prayer, we pray how we pray. And more often than not, it's ineffective. I would say the same with meditation. Meditation has been bastardized as has prayer bastardized. So prayer and meditation are the same in a sense that most people aren't doing either one right, right? I'm doing one effectively. I'm doing either one on the basis of a, a knowledge of what they're doing. Um, it is a science of prayer and the science of meditation the same. No, I recognize the distinction between the two. Um, can you explain for those who are Islamic, uh, shirk or for those who are not? What shirk is because they hear us talking about Master Far Muhammad praying to Master Far Muhammad, leaning on Master Far Muhammad. Explain what shirk is and how that is not. Right. And actually, I did. I did not, and I should have invoked the language shirk, mm -hmm. but that's exactly what I was getting to when I spoke of what a actual illa is. So, mm -hmm. la laha illa la. When it is said that there is no illa besides Allah and attributing partners, assuming or having an illa as a partner besides Allah, that is shirk to position with or by Allah any other illa 
is to be guilty of the Islamic sin of shirk. And the sin of shirk is literally translated associationism, mm -hmm. meaning we associate with Allah a partner. But what does that really mean? The sin is in attributing a particular type of partner to Allah, which in Arabic is illa, attributing sitting next to Allah or attributing as a partner to Allah other ilaha, other illas. And what is an illa? An illa is that which is legitimately worthy of dependence upon it's not just about worship it's not just about ritualism because people who never bow down or go through any rituals to any religious icons they have no ritualism at all they don't worship stone they don't in their mind they don't engage in any worship of any gods but they are guilty of shirk because they have associated illus with the one God. How did they associate illus with the one God? If we put dependence, reliance, the Muslim world, let me see, there's no better illustration. The Muslim world is grossly guilty of shirk. Mm. With all of their Islamic ritualism, with all of their worship of Allah the Muslim world is grossly guilty of shirk why the illa that Saudi Arabia commits shirk with is the United States of America Saudi Arabia put so much reliance on the great shaitan it puts itself Saudi Arabia, wherein sits the two holiest cities of, Allah, of Islam. But Saudi Arabia allows itself or makes itself so dependent on the great shaitan, the U.S., that it will compromise every principle of righteousness, Saudi Arabia, for friendship with the U.S. because Saudi Arabia feels dependent on the U.S. more than it is dependent on Allah. So the U.S. is the illa of Saudi Arabia. Saudi Arabia puts dependence and reliance on a corrupt, kafir, disbelieving government that leads them to a host of anti-Islamic practices but because Saudi Arabia feels it has a need for whatever the U.S. has to offer them, they violate the principles of Islam and depend on the U.S. That's shirk. That's the clearest example of shirk. They don't engage in ritual worship of the U.S., but the U.S. is a, the illa of Saudi Arabia and Saudi Arabia is guilty of shirk and that Saudi Arabia puts undue reliance upon and dependence upon the U.S. government when it should be relying on Allah. Is Allah the same God as the Israelites 
and the god of the ancient Kemet, you know, during that time. <clears throat> so. <clears throat> In one of our books, Ra is Allah. Mm. Ra, the god of ancient Kemet, is Allah. Why Asar Imhotep is wrong. This was my response to a um, critical offering by Asar Imhotep. But what I demonstrate in this book that the God Allah, the black God, whose proper name is Allah, is at the root, not just of the God hid of ancient Kemet, Ra, the so-called sun god Ra. Etymologically, linguistically, we demonstrated that its original articulation was Allah. And through linguistic evolution, it became Ra. But that's not just true with ancient Kemet. In West Africa, the or Southern Africa, the great god of pre-colonial Southern Africa, the Zulus, Unkulunkulu. Unkulunkulu really means the great Allah. Linguistically, the Niger-Congo term, the Zulu term, Unkulunkulu, can be broken down as the name of God Un with the reduplication of the term kulu, which means great. So technically, Unkulun Kulu, the most important god of pre-colonial Southern Africa, and Kulun Kulu linguistically, when we break it down in un is a Niger Congo nasalization linguistic term. Nasalization un originally was Allah. That N was originally an L and that U was originally an A. So Allah, through nasalization, became Un. And when you say or declare that Allah or Un is twice great, you say it Unkulunkulu. So at the root of African religion, it's the black God whose proper name is Allah. Allah is the God of ancient Black Africa. Allah is the God of ancient Black Arabia. Allah is the God of the ancient world. Allah is not the God of some Johnny-come-lately white Arabs. Allah is the proper name of the God of the Black man and woman universally. Uh, we have a question here. It says, how did Allah create the sun and not get burned up? <clears throat> uh, I don't know. <laughs> I wasn't there. <laughs> but I'm glad he didn't. <laughs> uh, okay, I have a question about... Uh, I'm, I, just be real clear. I appreciate the question. But I ain't... I, I... <laughs> I'm not going to wax exotic. If I don't, if you ask me something that there is no possible way for me to know, 
Yeah, I'm gonna let you know. I don't know. <laughs> yes, sir. That's I the best answer. There. Solomon Royale said that he visited the sun and they asked him, Well, why didn't you burn up? He said he went at night. <laughs> yeah, see, I you ain't gonna get no craziness <laughs> like that from me, right? How did the creator who first was a man of fire himself? The sun is a pale reflection of his fiery nature. And we do understand from the sacred theology of the black God that we find in ancient Kemet, in ancient Sumer, in ancient India, all over the ancient world, they told the story of the black God, his birth, evolution, death, and resurrection, and the story they tell is that the black God Allah, when he first emerged, was a man of fiery light. But that fiery light was so irradiant, so powerful, and so destructive, no material reality, no coarse matter could develop because it kept being ir irradiated. So in order to create the material world, he cloaked his fiery body with that black substance from the womb of space. And so that's how we get the black body of God. He used the matter of triple darkness and created a bodily veil. This, the black human body, when you see the pictures in the walls of Kemet of men in Amun and in Mesoamerica and India, of these jet black gods. The jet black body was the bodily veil that the God created to cloak his luminous fiery body. And when he did that, the story tells us, it was then that he put the sun in the space or in the sky because he was the sun initially before he cloaked his luminosity, before he cloaked his radiance with the black body, he was the sun. When he cloaked it with the black body, he put the sun out in space as a sign mm. of his true nature. Now, how was he, pre how was that first bodily, bodily cloak protected from being consumed by the fire? I do not know the answer to that question. Uh, someone said, we say black man, what about the black woman that the man uh, comes from or through? I know you're going to say through. So the black man comes through. What about the black woman? Is she God as well? Or how does that work? Absolutely. She is. The most honorable Elijah Muhammad teaches us that the black man male is the first self of God. And the black woman is the second self of God. And the fullest expression of the Godhead is the unity of the first self, the man, and the second self, the woman. The Most Honorable Elijah Muhammad teaches us that the first, that when God first created himself, he was a man, male. 
but he teaches us that the first feeling he felt after emerging as a man was a feeling of loneliness and his first desire was to reproduce himself so he was looking for another man he for companionship he discovered within him a second self and next chromosome and he brought it forth and brought forth the woman and this answered his search for another man the woman so first was the man the first self of god Second was the second self of God, the woman, before there was a sun, moon, and stars, before there was any animal life. The second self of God, the woman, emerged from the first self of God, that first man. Can you explain, I remember one time you was talking about uh, the atom, because I was going to ask, um, you know, uh, um, you the Honorable Elijah Muhammad and our Savior has arrived, talked about we being all Allahs. Uh, but there's one, uh, but but we say there's only one God or we worship uh, one God or, you know, Allah. And you was talking about one time, I think on our last one, the atom, that at first atom. Can you go into the science uh, on that? <clears throat> atom, A-T-O-M. Mm-hmm. The microscopic atom or atom Allah, the original uh, I believe you was talking about the hydrogen atom and how it mm. all came from that one. That's right. So first, let me, you mentioned um, our Savior has arrived, the Masonable Elijah Muhammad. We are all Allahs, mm-hmm. but there is one supreme Allah. That's very important. And it goes back to the initial point I made regarding Allah as we and Allah as I. When the Most Honorable Elijah Muhammad says we are all Allah's plural, each and every one of us is Allah. He says every Muslim is Allah. Individual, we are all Allah's and we are all collectively that we, that Nahnu. But today, and this is a point that I will keep coming back to because the God paradigm has shifted. And so the Supreme, now there is a Supreme God that is independent of the we. Before of the 24 scientists, the we, there was always one that was superior over all of them, but he still operated in the context of and not independent of the we. Master Fahd Muhammad is independent of the we. He is the first supreme, independent supreme God since the creator. And I'm going to say this, because this is important now. And I'll get to that, but this is very, very important. The question, who is God, today in 2020, it has to be answered differently Mm. than how we answered it 15 years ago, than how we answered it in 1991, 
in how we answered it in 1975. Get the point. Mm. We, in 2020, must answer the question, who is God, differently than it was answered in 1991, differently that, than it was answered in 1975. What do you mean, Brother Wesley? In 1975 and in 1991, it was sufficient in answering the question, who is God? To start with the black man as God, to start with the self-created black God of 76 trillion years ago, start there and end with the coming of Master Farad Muhammad and expound on the divine reality of Master Farad Muhammad. So previously, the answer to the question, who is God, included the black man as God and Master Farad Muhammad as Allah. We cannot stop there anymore. Mm. Today, in answering the question, who is God? Figuring in our answer must be the most honorable Elijah Muhammad and must be must be the honorable brother minister Farrakhan. Am I blaspheming on the honorable Elijah Muhammad? Absolutely not. The most honorable Elijah Muhammad, brother Ben, is the God Almighty in power today. Mm. Student enrollment number one. Who is the original man? The answer, the Asiatic black man, the maker, the owner, the cream of the planet Earth, God of the universe. We know, as the, the Honorable Brother Minister Farrakhan teaches us, that original man is the Most Honorable Elijah Muhammad. Why is he the original man? He's the firstborn from the dead. He is the first God that was made from the dead people, the so-called Negro in America. And he was not only made a God, the first God, of the universe, the first original man, that's Elijah Muhammad. He's the first product of the consummation, the intercourse between Master Far Muhammad, the man, and this virgin people, the woman, the so-called Negro in America, that intercourse produced a son, the first born of the dead, the most honorable Elijah Muhammad. He is the original man, the maker, the owner, the cream of the planet Earth, the God of the universe. He is the God in power today. So when we answer the question, who is God? We must say we can rightly start with the creator 76 trillion years ago. We must bring it up to Allah in the person of Master Far Muhammad, but we cannot stop there anymore. We have to include God Almighty in power 
the most honorable Elijah Muhammad, the original man. But what say you, Brother Wesley, about Farrakhan? When the most honorable Elijah Muhammad gave Louis X his name, Farrakhan, and he asked them, how do you like your name, brother? And the minister, he didn't like it. He wanted the name Muhammad. He saw it in a vision. But of course, he was not going to tell the messenger of God that he did not like the name that he gave him. So he just said, well, what does it mean? And note the answer of the most honorable Elijah Muhammad, whom at that time was already made a God. Mark his answer. What does the name Farrakhan mean? He said, oh, it has many great meanings. He said it's one of the modern, up-to-date names of who? God. Of God. Mm. Farrakhan was a modern or is a modern, up-to-date name of God. And so at Savior's Day, the greatest Savior's Day we've had, Savior's Day 2020, the Honorable Brother Minister Farrakhan said, I'm God enough for you. What does that mean? These two, the Most Honorable Elijah Muhammad, the firstborn of the dead, the Honorable Minister Farrakhan, the secondborn of the dead, these two show the manifestation of the new God paradigm. So you cannot answer, we cannot answer the question, who is God today? And not include in that answer, the reality of the most honorable Elijah Muhammad, the original man, the firstborn of the dead and the honorable brother Minister Farrakhan, the second born of the dead. Now, going back to the Adam, that first Adam, the simplest of Adams, one proton, one electron. It did not originally have any neutrons. It was the simplest. It was number one. It was that hydrogen atom. And that's why hydrogen is the basis of all material. It's a substrate of all material reality. And from the hydrogen atom, we described in our lecture, who is God, part one, the testimony of science. From the hydrogen atom, which is one, to the carbon atom, which is six on a periodic table. And this correlation between the six trillion year process that the creator underwent the process which took him from an atom to a man. Process that took him from a one to a six and a process through which the periodic table evolved from at that point from the hydrogen atom to the carbon atom and carbon is the basis of DNA, it's the backbone of DNA and we describe the emergence of the six God as six, as the emergence of Allah as an organic being. Mm. Because 
when you speak of organism or organic life, that means carbon-based life. Carbon is the backbone atom of DNA. So when the carbon atom emerged on day six, that's the beginning of organic life. Getting to the root of things, what makes one, um, since we talk about black God, what makes one black and what makes one God? What is the definition of the two in this context? Great question. First, what makes one God? And that's very important because you got to know what a God is to discuss who is God. Mm -hmm. And that's why most theological discussion is misplaced, misdirected, and unfruitful. Because you're talking about God, but you don't know what you're talking about. A God is a being of power and force. Black is dominant. The white man is a God. In fact, the white man is the God of this world. There is no denying that the white man is a great power and force on the earth. In his world, which he has subjected 99% of the total population of the planet, he has subjected to his world and he rules over 99% of the planet he is the god he is a power and force he can impose his will anywhere within 99 percent of this planet he's a god he's not a black god what makes a black god what makes one black is that one is dominant it's dominance in this sense black is proxy for or signals natural dominance. The black man, so-called Afrocoid peoples, whose genetic profile is heterozygous, is dominant and recessive. Whereas the white man, though he's God and is Lord of his world, that's by circumstance, because naturally he is not dominant. Naturally, he is totally recessive. Mm. And his existence relies upon the dominant man not knowing who he is, because all the dominant man needs to do is come into the knowledge of self, and he's naturally dominant. White people will be eradicated. It's the dominance of the black man that makes him black because it doesn't matter. The It's not a complexion thing. Right. It's not a phenotype thing. It's a genetic thing. The ability to dominate genetically all other human races is what makes the black man black. And while he's black, because genetically dominant, he is not yet God because he has not assumed the position of 
power and force in this world at that point he will be the black god but we are black naturally regardless of our complexion because complexion refers to phenotype not genotype and phenotype is most often the result of the interaction between genes and environment nature and nurture so separate phenotype from genotype master far muhammad's phenotype is very white his genotype was very black being the son of that jet black alfonso allah so he's a seed he's not the seed of his mother bobby g he's the seed of his dominant black father alfonso so he he's a man with a black a dominant genotype but a white phenotype the difference between genotype and phenotype is of paramount importance what needs to be done because there are many uh, that even asked questions before if we're gods then how come we're so inferior i seen either a comedian mocking uh saying that he used to be a five percenter and you know, he was like, how are we guys and we still selling drugs and we doing this here. So what needs to be done since we are already dominant uh, in how you just described what now needs to be done so that we know now who we are so we can become back on top in our reality as well. The Honorable Elijah Muhammad gave the prescription and it's very simple. Accept your own and be yourself. That's what I just said. The white man is Lord, even though he's not dominant, he's not, he's recessive, but white supremacy relies on black ignorance of self because we, we aren't being self. Why are we not being self? Because we don't know self. That is the bedrock of white supremacy. Black inferiority is a circumstantial thing. It's not a, an inherent thing. The white man is inherently inferior to the black man, but circumstantially superior to the black man because the white man has knowledge of self. He has accepted his own and is being himself. The black man globally is ignorant of self and if we don't know who we are, there's no way we can be who we are. So by dint of that circumstance, the white man rules over us. By dint of that circumstance, the black man who is God by nature is nigger by behavior. Mm. We are not nigger by nature. We are God by nature. We are nigger by circumstance we are not inferior by nature we are superior by nature but we are inferior by circumstance and the chief circumstance that's at the root of our inferiority and at the root of white folks superiority the chief circumstances are ignorance of self so the most important part of the teachings of the most honorable elijah muhammad is the knowledge of ourself, and then the marching order. Accept your own and be yourself. That is the end of black inferiority. 
And that is the end of white supremacy. Since God is not a spook, uh, explain heaven, hell, and the hereafter. Very good. Very easy. (laughs) Heaven and hell are both here. After what? Heaven is here after each of us have done what's required to set ourselves in heaven. Hell is here for each of us who have in our actions earned the fire of hell. What does that mean? I said heaven is here for each of us after we have done what is required to set ourselves in heaven at once. Well, what is it that's required? After what? Here, after what, Brother Wesley, will we have heaven? The scripture says it very simply and very beautifully. It says, Seek ye first the kingdom of heaven. Seek it and all of its righteousness. And then all these things will be added unto you. Mm -hmm. So heaven, the Quran describes heaven and paradise very materially. Fine wine, fine fruits, fine women, fine men. Um, geographical luxury that that's heaven master far muhammad described heaven equally materially luxury money good homes and friendships and all walks of life that's heaven that's all these things will be added unto you i want a three million dollar mansion I want a $500,000 car. I'm due that. It is not evil to have that. Evil is how you acquire it. Mm. Heaven is having that and having achieved it the right way. And what is the right way? Seek ye first the kingdom of heaven and all of its righteousness. So if I live a life of righteousness as prescribed by God, that act of living righteously after that not after death after doing the righteous work to earn heaven i will set myself in heaven at once i will have the heaven that i seek while i live and there will be no threat of it being snatched from me because I did something that to get it that would end me in jail or dead. So I'm sitting in my three million while he's sitting in his three million dollar mansion because he got it from drug money. And he got all of the problems that trap life brings with it. I'm sitting in my three hundred of my three million dollar mansion just like him, but I ain't got them problems. 
because so mine is heaven i don't have i'm not sitting in my three million dollars with psychological terror mm -hmm. and i did not in the process of acquiring my three million dollar home i did not set up bad karma for my children mm -hmm. because what we do and that's here i what we do to acquire heaven will bring heaven or hell on our children's heads, not just ours. So heaven is a heavenly existence achieved through righteousness. Hell is the consequences of living contrary to righteousness. And hell is a reality for the average human life. There are humans living and their life is worse than anything. Religious dogmatism fabricated when it painted pictures of hell. Mm. Life is a consequence. Life is the sum total. Our individual life, Brother Ben, and our viewers should know this. Our individual lives, every single one of us ultimately is the consequences of decisions that we have made our decision making process can ultimately lead us to heaven while we live or it can ultimately lead us to hell while we live heaven and hell is here for us after we are made to eat the consequences of our decisions and our actions. So many people ask me, Brother Ben asks, man, how do I know that you're going live? How do I know when you're producing a podcast? And I saw you also just made $130,000 in two days. Well, there's a way that you guys can get informed from us via text message. All you have to do is text 50K to 210-504-4094, and we'll give you more information with free game and we'll let you guys know how we made $130,000 in two days. Text the word 50K to 210-504-4094. We'll give you updates, notifications, and let you guys know how we made $130,000 in two days. Peace. We will either eat sweet fruit, which is how the Quran describes heaven paradise, or we will eat bitter fruit, which is hell. Uh, this next one is going to be a two-part question. <clears throat> why does Allah, I mean, why does God allow so much wickedness, evil, and hatred? They said, I mean, some of this stuff that happens is just mind-boggling. If God is merciful and good, why allow such things to happen? I was asked something similar with the Kobe Bryant situation. There's people <laughs> who was like, uh, Kobe Bryant was a great father. You got these deadbeats over here, and they still alive. Uh, the part two to that is, I know the minister said that God has an active will and permissive will, and he wanted us to see something and get a lesson out of the Kobe Bryant's, uh, you know, unfortunate accident. So my question is, is that question, then my question would be the God that he's speaking about who wanted us to get a lesson. What God is he talking about? Is it Master Father Muhammad or is it that we, you know, what God is he talking about when he <clears throat> says he wants uh, us to get a lesson out of that first the we has no power over the will of master for muhammad 
Master Fra Muhammad is here. He's the Lord of the world. So when we see and understand things happening, we don't attribute the presidency of Donald J. Trump to the we. That's Master Fra Muhammad's strategic thinking. Now you're in planning. The Quran says, and the Jews scheme is what it says. Now, Allah schemes, and Allah is the best of schemers. That's Master Fraud Muhammad and the presidency of Donald J. Trump is part of the scheme of Allah. But you asked a very important question of human suffering and the seeming victories of evil and wickedness or prevalence of wickedness and the seeming unjust death of Kobe Bryant and Sister Gigi. What does that say about God? You know, Brother Ben, why I love this Islam so much, Islam, the Islam of the Most Honorable Elijah Muhammad, but specifically as taught and elaborated and expounded upon by the Honorable Brother Minister Farrakhan, it is because that very question is answered for me. People we, all of us, we totally misunderstand God. We totally misunderstand the way and the purpose of God. A very critical theological revelation. And this is why I can't stand Negro religion because it totally has failed us on this point and made life for the black man extra, unnecessarily extra difficult because it missed this point. The value of pain and suffering, religion that teaches, presents pain and suffering as outside God's godliness. Mm has done a tremendous disservice to the human family. That religion is wrong, factually, and by teaching wrong on that point, it ill-equipped the human to go through life successfully. What am I saying? Dear Brother Ben and all of our listeners, we must understand, I'm sorry, but this is the truth of the matter. By Allah's mandate, pain and suffering 
is absolutely critical. It's not circumstantial to righteousness. Righteousness is not just tolerant to pain or suffering. God's will towards pain and suffering of good people isn't passive, though he has a passive will, but be real clear when it comes to believers, good people suffering. That's not the passive will of God. That's the act. That's the center of the active will of mm. God. Pain and suffering is mandatory. And because for us, pain and suffering is darkness. Pain and suffering is the enemy to happiness. That's wrong. No one who wants pain and suffering in their life wants God. No one who does not want pain and suffering in their life wants God. If you want God in your life, you are inviting pain and suffering. Why? It's not because God is cruel. Mm. The Gnostics grossly misunderstood this. This is the birth of the Gnostic movement of the second and third centuries of the Christian world. Those original Gnostics were white Jews who read of the black God of the Old Testament and the suffering that he required of his people. And they misunderstood that mandate for suffering and so they characterize Yahweh or Jehovah as a tyrant as an evil God because they wanted this false concept of God to by saying God is love they wanted that to mean that God don't do nothing for those whom he love but do nice stuff for them mm. and nothing could be further from the truth why is pain the if faith is the necessary act of religion pain is the necessary building block for faith mm. pain is the necessary building block for faith pain is required it's necessary to bring out the God in us. It was necessary for the creator to suffer six trillion years. I imagine, Brother Ben and listeners, when the creator was building himself up, atom by atom, cell by cell, in a process that lasted six trillion years, he didn't have a blueprint for what the ultimate construction would be this human form. It was a painful process. I imagine that if he could have avoided the pain of that process, if he could have said abracadabra, and the six trillion year process would have been five minutes, 
He probably would have. If he could have said abracadabra in the process of going from an atom to the marvel of the human being, God, if he could have made that process not painful, he probably would have, but he didn't. So the critical ingredient that took him from an atom, a microscopic atom, to the fullness of his glory as a human being was a process that involved, non-negotiably involved intense pain. It is no different with you and me. There is no achieving the aim of God's religion without pain and suffering. And what is the aim of God's religion? It's to make us like him. It's to make us God. Well, if the aim of religion is to make us like him and he could not avoid suffering in the process of becoming him, why do we think we can become like him but avoid the pain that he suffered? There is something about pain and suffering, Brother Ben and the audience, that is absolutely necessary to bring up the Jews within us, there is no archaeology. When we take those big machines to the earth, looking for minerals, looking for jewels, did you know life, plant life, is sentient, meaning it feels. Mm. It hurts. It feels good. So when we go into the earth with these machines to extract its mineral wealth for us, there's suffering involved. We may not be hurting as we are sitting in that machine digging in that earth. We may not be hurting, but there's suffering going on in that process. There is no life evolving process that does not involve pain and suffering. So we have to reevaluate our understanding of pain and this relationship to God. So when you see good people suffer, that's not God being absent, that's God being present. Mm. Yes, sir. When you see good people suffer, that is not God being absent, that is God being present he is the goodest of the good and he had to suffer in order to be lord mm. can you go into how god is man backing that up with the quran and the bible yeah so news flash The Quran speaks of the people of the book, meaning those whose religion is based on scripture. If you don't want a God who is a man, then you don't want none of the religions of the book. The God of book religion and the God of pre-book religion has always been a man. 
and described so in either in the book itself or in the language of the prophet through whom the book came. And so I'm sorry, but the God of the Bible, both both the Hebrew Bible and the, the Hebrew Old Testament and the Greek New Testament, that the God of those books is a man. Moses is God, the God of Moses. He explicitly described as each man. So Moses is God was a man each, but you are a Jew or you are an Israelite. They say you follow Moses in the Torah of Moses, but you reject God as a man, then you reject Moses and you reject his God. His God by his own admission was an ish, which in Hebrew is man. Jesus is a man, but so is his father. If you want a religion, dear Christians, in which God the son is a man, but God the father is not, then you don't want the religion of Jesus. Jesus specifically described he and his father as anthropoi, as two men. God the son is a man and God the father is a man. I'm sorry, Muslims. The Quran does not describe or use the language, does not say explicitly that God is a man, but the Quran as we have it today let me clarify that <clears throat> as we have it today it does not specifically or explicitly say god is a man neither does it explicitly say god is not a man so how do we arbitrate mm -hmm. on the matter the quran came through prophet muhammad and in very reliable and authenticated traditions of Prophet Muhammad, he explicitly said, described God as a man in Arabic shocks, in Arabic sad. So, dear Muslims, if your God is a non-man, then you reject the God of Prophet Muhammad, just as Christians reject the God of Jesus, who is a man and Jews and Israelites reject the God of Moses, who was a man, the God of the books and the bringer of the books is and always has been a man. So if you desire a God who is not a man, leave the Bible alone, leave the prophets of the Old and New Testament alone, Leave the Quran and the religion of Prophet Muhammad alone. And the only way, only place you can seek refuge, because if you leave the book religion, because you don't like God as a man, you can't go to ancient Kemet. You can't go to any of the ancient black religions, because in all of them, in Sumer and in India and in so-called traditional black Africa and ancient Kemet, God is a man. The only place you can go, family, 
if you are insisting on having a God that is not a man, the only place you can go is to Greek philosophy. Mm. Can you talk about the pot plot and how this is a part of their scheme um, against the black God? Yes, because it absolutely is. And I, and I want to route to I make the connection through um, through this report, which is the last chapter of the book, The Pot Plot. Last chapter is entitled How to Kill a God. The murder of Michael Jackson and its message for hip hop and black America. And please do note within the body of Michael Jackson, is our dear brother, Juice World. How to kill a God, be that God, Michael Jackson, be that God, Juice World, be that God, brother so-and-so on the block, sister so-and-so, in the hood, how to kill a God. The most effective way is chemically. Mm. So when we spoke, the last time we spoke at Mas Mariam, our subject was how God, Allah, makes a new human being. And we mentioned the Jewish sorcerers, the Kabbalists, who their sorcery is anchored in their mastery of chemistry and through their mastery of letters, of the letters of the periodic table. Their mastery of chemistry. They're able to create, take a dead God and make a golem out of him, an artificial humanoid. They are able to use chemistry as their magic wand to kill God. Because we mentioned when the first atom, the hydrogen atom, evolved and after six trillion years, we have carbon atoms in the birth of organic life and God then became an organic human being. Mm. God's organic nature, his his biochemical nature developed and you can manipulate give life and cause death to God through chemistry, through the periodic table. So the pot plot, the pot plot is the government's plot to use the chemistry of weaponized weed to control and kill the black God. 
specifically, but kill in anticipation because the weaponization, I'm going to say this, as we document in our book, why was hip hop weaponized? To use it against the influence of the nation of Islam. Hip hop was weaponized specifically and deliberately to use it as a force to counter the influence of Islam in black America. Marijuana is weaponized and hip hop was made the gun through which the magic bullets or out of which the magic bullets were shot at us. The magic bullets being this evil chemistry, specifically weaponized marijuana and molly, both created by the same or at root critical to the development of this weaponized weed and molly. At the root of it is a Russian Jew, a Jewish sorcerer, Alexander Shujin, who worked for the U.S. government in preparation of these weaponized chemicals. And hip-hop was commandeered, and hip-hop became drug-soaked. And the biggest advocate for Black drug addiction, hip-hop was made that in the most important chemicals that were shot at Black America, weed and molly, and then lean. So this is how you kill a God, chemically. This is how you control a God, chemically. It's chemistry. We are biochemistry. Our thinking is biochemistry. Our actions is at root biochemistry. So the mastery of the periodic table, that's the magic of the sorcerers, the Jewish sorcerers. Their magic is their mastery of the periodic table. And so they killed Michael Jackson with weaponized chemistry. Juice World died, but there's a censor by weaponized chemistry, and there's a sense in which it can be said that his death was murder by hip hop, weaponized hip hop, because Juice World said that he was in fifth grade and he heard Future mm. rapping about Percocet about lean, about all of these drugs. And because he heard future rapping about them, he started using them in fifth grade and he developed this addiction and future was remorseful for his role in making Juice World a drug addict and contemplated how many other hundreds of thousands of children he made drug addicts. And I'm sure brother future that it's a lot and juice world ultimately died and so it isn't future that's to brain because 
future said it, he did not indulge like that, but he was under contract. He was under a seven record contract and his label had expectations of his content. And his label's expectation of his content is what produced Monster. Future's most drug-soaked album, Monster, which was a celebration of dangerous drug addiction, but he was completely sober when he made that album. So Future isn't the villain here. Future did not weaponize hip-hop, though hip-hop weaponized hip-hop murdered Juice World, but it's the same Jewish sorcerers who weaponized marijuana, ergo the pot plot, weaponized the other bad chemistry is our food. All of it, this is a chemical war, the battlefield of the war between God and devil is a periodic table. And so where Satan kills us through bad chemistry, God came to restore us through good chemistry. And the right food is a good chemistry. This is God's move on a battlefield that is the periodic table. Because that's how a God is killed through chemistry. And that's how a God is restored through chemistry. Mm. That's the value of the pot plot. This is the plot to subdue the black God. Um, there's been many on here said they went to your website and they didn't see the pot plot. So is that so? Is it out yet? Or how can they order it? Yeah. Thank you for going. And I, I will ask all of your viewers, please subscribe to our page. DrWesley.online. Subscribe to the page. And you will get notice in the next few days that the book is available. The We sold out on day one. The printer is producing more. And it will soon be available through our website. I need you all to subscribe to our website, www.drwesley.online. And you will get notice as soon as the book is available again for purchase. Um, last question. Uh, we may have to do a part two because it's still a lot, but this is the last question uh, from Chocolate Hotep on YouTube. Is there any proof of Yakub? Like, is there a tomb or, or anything left of Yakub? No disrespect to the NOI or the NGE, Nation Guys on Earth. But that's the only one thing that hasn't been proven by anyone, and I figured <coughs> there'd be something left behind from him. Or is that um, does it have a meaning uh, when it when it talks about that? So, what what is the response to that? Certainly, there is proof. And if you, from your experience, dear brother, that is the one area where the Nation of Islam provided no proof. Well, you just have not been. You haven't stayed tuned sufficiently to the nation of Islam. 
because I myself and others have offered such proof. What is the proof? You mentioned the tomb. I do you one better. The first whites who were able to leave the caves of Europe, the Jews, and they bursted out of Europe and entered the area called the Levant in the Middle East. And they went from there and went into ancient Egypt. One of these groups of whites who emerged from the caves of Europe, history records them as Hyksos. Hyksos established themselves in the Levant in the area, later to be called Judea, the part of ancient Israel. And then they went into Kemet, ravaging and savaging the people of Kemet. But these Hyksos, who ravaged and savaged Kemet and ravaged and savaged the blacks of the Levant area. They did so in the name of their God and they left, not tombstones, they left sacred stones in honor of their God in the Levant and in Kemet. And do you know who their God is that they ravaged black folks in his name and they left sacred stones in honor of him. Yaqub our God Yaqub. Mm. Yes, both in ancient Kemet. They tell the story of the creation, the artificial creation of the white man. They call him Tamahu, the created white man. And they have the history of his creation. Over in ancient Sumer, on the walls, in fact, of or in tablets that at one time were in walls but have since been um, torn down, you see the depiction of the artificial creation of this new white human being in a laboratory. And you're talking about 2000 BC. So yes, there is great archaeological evidence of Yakub and there is great scientific evidence of the work of Yakub producing the white man through genetic selection 6000 years ago. There's tremendous scientific data on that and there is archaeological and traditional evidence of the reality of the man, the God, Yaqub himself. Uh, and then uh, just to end it off, can you tell us uh, where to get more study on what you talked about? Because everything that he said, um, I've read several of the books he goes into, uh, the ancient Kim, and he goes into all the <clears throat> documentation. So can you kind of go over the books and what each book represent and kind of delves into? Well, I, I can't do that here and right now. I'm happy to provide an annotated bibliography for Yakub. What I would advise is that you get the book. Oh no, 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 no. The, not not Yakub. Not you. I'm not saying okay. you. I, him, our questioner. 
because I know you have them and I appreciate your great support and advocacy. I'm saying to brother, because if you want to know, this is why I said, you, you say that that's the one area we haven't offered proof, but maybe you have not legitly sought proof. Have you availed yourself to our material? Or are you one of those who maybe you went to the mosque one time and that wasn't the subject. And if you didn't hear what you wanted to hear on that day, you assume that we don't provide it. We have scholars of the nation who have provided great evidence. Brother Ben X has on numerous occasions provided great scientific testimony in his videos. So we have actually, there is a body of evidence that has come out of the nation of Islam that legitimates Yaqub. So dear brother, you would just have to study us a little better, a little more, study our literature because we have literature. Don't not avail yourself to our literature to see what we're offering and then say, why y'all don't offer? We are offering. Just study us a little more. Indeed. And uh, the books, uh, what I was saying was the books that you have, um, uh, they're with you. Uh, what are each of them about? Uh, oh, what, yes, sir. Yeah, yeah, what can they find in them? And in this one, the specifically, the ancient Indic history of Yakub and the origin of the white man, we document. Mm. Specifically in this book, we have written the Indian, ancient Indian testimony of Yakub and the origin of the white man. This is our book, Religion of the Black God, Indic Sacred Science in Islam. We, of course, have authored the Book of God and Encyclopedia of Proof that the black man is God. And we are working on volume two mm. of this book, the Book of God and Encyclopedia of Proof that the black man is God. We have all authored Egyptian sacred science in Islam. What do we document here? That the theology at the root of the civilization that built those wonders called the pyramids, that civilization, that high science was anchored in a particular theology a theology of the black God. And we document that the theology at the root of the civilization that built those pyramids is the exact same theology brought to these shores by Master Far Muhammad. Supreme wisdom, Islam, is a representation of the truth of the black God theology that was first found, or not first found, but earlier found in ancient Kemet. And the truth of God, the Bible, the Quran, and point number 12, we document the point that I made earlier that the God of the book religion is a man. If you want a God that is not a man, leave the Quran, leave the Bible, 
leave the profits of the book. And of course, understanding the assault on the black man, volume one, and understanding the assault on the black man, volume two, subtitled The Pot Plot, Marijuana, Hip Hop, and the Scientific Assault on Black America. And are all those on the website, somebody just asked, if you look at the bottom, go to drwesley.online. Are all those books already on the site? Besides, I know the pot no. plot, not yet. Hey, they, they will be. They will be. So that's why I'm asking all of your listeners to subscribe to our page. And you will get notice for each of our offerings. There it is, family. So I thank you, Dr. Wesley, for coming back again. Uh, can't wait to do a, a part three because we already did a part one, a part three, because we still have several questions. And I think you did a, a, a beautiful job. So I'll let you close out with your closing words. Well, I just close out. I'm, I'm so honored. Whenever you call your brother, Brother Ben, um, to the extent that my logistics allow I would always answer your invitation. I'm proud of you. I am an admirer of you and your great work on behalf of the Honorable Brother Minister Farrakhan and the Nation of Islam. So I want to um, show you gratitude and let the world know that this is our brother. Brother Ben is ours. Praise be to Allah. This great light belongs to the nation of Islam. He is a helper of the honorable Brother Minister Farrakhan. He is doing a great work. And so I just thank you, dear brother, and I encourage you to keep up the great work on behalf of your father and our father, the honorable Brother Minister Farrakhan. Yes, sir. Thank you, brother. Assalamualaikum. Wa All right, family. There it is, man. I think that was a beautiful interview. I thank all of you guys for your questions. Um, I thank all of you for tuning in. Again, go to drwesley.online to support the brother. If anybody would like to support the channel and help me continue to do what I'm doing online, you can cash app dollar sign brother being X. That is, again, Cash App, Dollar Sign, Brother Ben X. And another thing that I'm going to be doing, make sure you subscribe to Brother Ben X podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Spotify, whatever podcast that you use, because this audio and all my other audio on my shows is going to be uploaded. So you can listen to it if you're a truck driver. You can listen to it while you're on your phone. You can listen to it on your way to sleep. So there's another spot that you guys can tune in to the podcast and continue to get news you can use and knowledge itself. With that being said, you have a blacktastic night. Assalamu alaikum. Hey, listen, family, if you want to learn how to build your own banking system, yes, I said it, build your own banking system. We have a wonderful course, over 30 lessons, 25 hours of content that also comes with a 268-page textbook. Yes, textbook that's going to teach you how to build your own private banking system with your family. And let me tell you something. You don't have to be rich in order to do it. Inside of this, go to privatebankingblueprint.com, privatebankingblueprint.com, and we're going to show you exactly how you can build your own private banking system for your family. Guess what? Say bye to credit. Say bye to debt. I'm going to show you how to do it 
with our private banking blueprint. See you there, privatebankingblueprint.com.